I feel like I didn't actually get to all of the bone room content. Ma- Lyric, maybe you can back me oh up God, on this. Do you remember the up, Mexican legs? Sure okay. So the Mexican legs uh, were a famous ooh. thing with all of us. It was a big thing. Oh my and God. Like, okay. So I, one day we got shipped like a bunch of human femurs. All right, we're back in. All right, okay. we're recording. Um, what about the Mexican legs? Oh God! So yeah, I don't remember where they came from, but it was these human femurs. It was a bunch of them in this tub, and they had like this crusty kind of like the way that they had been processed. Like I think that they got mummified somehow, and we mm-hmm. couldn't unmummify them, so we couldn't clean them, so we couldn't sell them. So we kept them in a tub upstairs next to the shipping table. And whenever we get a new employee, somebody would open the tub being like, what the hell is this? And then this smell would erupt. And I don't know why we called them the Mexican legs because they were not from Mexico. Neither were they from Mexican individuals. But I didn't I did know that. I thought they, they were Mexican. That. Were they from Mexico? I don't know. I That was just how they were introduced to me. I don't think anyone knows the origin of the Mexican legs. It was just a thing that existed forever. And after the bone room closed the uh, brick and mortar location, I don't know what Diana did with that huge Tupperware tub of human femurs, which is insane because femurs are the most popular bone. Everybody always wanted them. It was so hard for us to get them. We had like plenty of them and we couldn't sell them. Yeah, it was very valuable. It was this this valuable... And, and we couldn't sell them to usually what we would do with meaty human bones. If we had human bones that were too, like, had too much gristle on them or, you know, jerky, basically, we would be able to sell them mm, to gristle. search and rescue people. Um, because search and rescue dog cadaver trainers dogs. need, yeah. yeah, cadaver dogs, they need human oh. remains. Yeah. And they need old human remains was, to train mm. their dogs with. So they would call us up and be like, yeah, hey, do you got, any, you got any juicy specimens for us? And if we had any human bones in stock that had like some 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 jerky on them, then we would be able to sell them specifically to that that group of clientele. So, but yeah, these yeah, Mexican one, legs. One girl were, in particular was a uh, she was a professor, and like that was the class that she taught about training right. cadaver dogs, and she was mm-hmm. very particular about just coming to us for these pieces. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the things that we, we were like a regular supplier. Um, but we couldn't do it with the Mexican legs because they were, they were in some sort of preserving fluid or something. It was uh, weird. That wouldn't have worked for for dogs. It like, was very weird. I mean, there was a lot of funny stuff. Like there was a locker. Like so, we had the back room for like prep, and then there was a separate room for cleaning where we kept like the domestic beetle colonies for like. You know, oh, we didn't even properly. talk about the beetles. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about the beetles or the fact that there was a locker. Where inside there was like the things that we had no idea. Like there's stuff that we didn't know if we could sell, but then there's stuff that we knew we couldn't sell. Like right. we had a bunch of really fantastic human fetal specimens and jars. Yeah. Which were amazing to look at. And I've got some great photos, but we could not sell them. You so. can't get rid of them either. There's no way to dispose of that material. Actually, what they ended up doing to try and sell them was they sent it away for plastination. Oh, that is actually legal. Weird. So yes. if it's a plastic fetus, it's fine. Yep. 
if it's but going if through it's, that plasticine pot process, like the body worlds exhibits, then but just a wet specimen is yeah. illegal. That's something so about weird. it has to do with organ trade, and you can't, and it's tricky. How would you be able to organ trade a pickled baby? I don't know, dude. It's it's probably just like a oh, yeah. It's probably not like a. It's like an over. Uh, what is it called? Like an overlap or something. Like it's with... a blanket. It's a blanket law where it doesn't yeah. actually apply to this specific thing, but right, it can be considered this kind of thing. God, it's the tricky. laws were so weird. It was such laws a weird. So weird. Fishing the game other... laws are very strange. You can yeah. sell some things, you. but you can't sell others. And it varies from state to state. And it's very yep. complicated. And you can get a lot of trouble. And a lot of people have. You really can. You have to be careful of stuff like... Fish and, fish and wildlife will do stings on, like, Craigslist. And stuff like that. To, for just civilians. Like, they'll sell... Or they'll say, hey, do you have any, you know, eagle feathers to sell? Or something like that. And people will get caught up in these stings sometimes. You really have to watch your ass... Um, so if you have anything, if you've got like, you know, a stuffed owl or you have like bones or even feathers from raptors, feathers from raptors are illegal yeah. um, unless well, you have enrollment in a in an indigenous tribe, et cetera, et cetera. There's like all these loopholes. I feel like it's also important to say that fishing game is not coming for your personal collection. What they're no. looking for is if you are selling things right. like, for example, there was a woman in San Francisco who used seagull feather feathers in her art. And she was fined by fishing game around the ballpark of $11,000 for this infraction. So don't sell things. But sometimes, you know what? We pick stuff up and it's in our personal collection. And as long as you're not, you know, encouraging the collecting of endangered species, it's fine. Just it's your personal thing. Don't go talking about it. Don't talk. It it is conceivably, I mean, cops will find stuff to get you in trouble for. So it's like one of those things, if you let a cop search your house and he knew what he was doing, he could, and he found something, he could ding you for CITES or whatever. Oh, well, Um, fishing game won't. I mean, like, I've talked to so many normal cops. I mean, I've been in situations where I've been at a festival and someone is displaying something I think is inappropriate when it comes to a personal collection. And I've tried to alert a police officer and they don't know what I'm talking about. So... (laughs) Don't snitch on people. Okay, Don't look, talk to the police. I am not a snitch, but this one particular time, these people were being jerks and displaying a dolphin skull at like lightning in a bottle. And I'm like, this is not the place to encourage people to collect things they can't have. What is and I lightning said something in a bottle? And they were mean to me, so. Oh, well, okay. Well, then there. And this was years ago where I was much cattier and younger. <sighs> okay, Karen. Hey. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something I warn people about. Like, just be oh, careful. Just watch it. You know. Like, um, I've, I've run into other makers, like at events like the Edwardian Ball, where they've I've noticed. Like, there was one time in particular, someone had a headdress, and they had used a pelican skull, and mm. I told them right away, I'm like, "This is gorgeous. You cannot sell this. And you hide this right now because yeah. there's no way that you have this thing." I don't want to see other people get into trouble, especially other makers. Right. And people don't know. I mean, the laws are so Byzantine that it's just... Oh, and it's tiny and it's behind it. It's, you know, it's hidden in many lines of things. Famously, um, a couple of years ago, there was an antiquated law that no one was enforcing, which reads like a congressman wrote down its favorite animals 
my god and then decided you're not allowed to sell those pieces or parts and because there was kind of a slowdown in fishing game they reenacted that law and went rampant across california and the bay area just complete confiscating things going like through people's antique warehouses taking pianos that had uh actual ivory keys which if they were made prior to 1970 are completely legal to own and 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 sell and stuff like kangaroo parts and pieces python for some reason you can't sell within the state of california even though you can go to the store and buy one shit got weird uh otter there was just there was a bunch of it was a weird list but a bunch of vintage stores on the hate street got busted for having like ocelot coats or things stuff like that like fucking bullshit it truly is you need to be careful when you're making stuff and know if you're making stuff with dead animal parts pieces bones whatever make sure that what you have exists within the right side of the law like you didn't find it it's not a bird it's not a marine mammal like if you purchase these things you're fine but don't take field find stuff that you found and even if it was on your own property you can't prove there's no proof so just don't it's for the best it's it's fucking stupid too because the you know the endangered animal trafficking is a huge fucking problem it's not like these guys don't have anything to do and for i mean mostly it, it resol- revolves around the food trade it has nothing to do with the pieces or parts because the people who collect the dead animals are people like us right it's the things that are in that are trafficked in the endangered circles have more to do with the meat yeah it's all yeah. about the meat which is i mean look of course the pangolins and covid19 i mean this is just all preposterous yeah. The headdress I made for Five and Diamond is called a uh, Philodota Vindicta, which is Pangolin's Revenge, because I was it's all very like layered and scales because I was thinking so much about the whole situation with pangolins, which ha- over the last three years have become very, very popular within the bushmeat trade in terms of status. And now when they were not endangered at all, now they very much are. And I thought that perhaps they are the reservoir for COVID-19. So it's either that or bats, but it could be a similar strain does exist in pangolins. So I'm like, don't eat bush meat. Just, just don't do it. Just fucking don't. Yeah, I know. Just, it's oh god. Have a have a have a burger instead. Yeah, it's fine. It's well, fine. God, what was I the mean- the other thing I was going to mention? Um, we we had another. I think the last bone room thing that I had to talk about that's very interesting is that we had one other big clientele base and those were uh, people who were looking for ritual parts for Santeria. Um, oh. Who either uh, ran botanicas themselves botanica, yeah. or were like independently trying to source things for a ritual. So we would occasionally have like upper class um people coming in who you know very specific wanted a very specific kind of human skull for a specific kind of ritual and we would also have botanica owners call in on the phone um and ask us to send them specific kinds of skulls and they wanted you know like a male or a female skull they wanted certain ages because those were all pertinent to the rituals that were being performed and i never personally got to do this kind of thing but i was told by some of the other people who worked there that when the botanica people were told that I can't, it's actually very difficult to sex a skull. Um, even the experts get it wrong a lot of the time, unless you have, you know, 
able to test DNA testing well, or you are like a hyper expert or something. Well, actually, to correct with the Botanica thing, uh, in terms of skulls, it actually, there's like certain markers with male and females. So it is, you can sex skulls like pretty easily. Like Diana was always really good at it. But the thing that the Botanica people wanted was not so much skulls, but they wanted smaller bones. They wanted like um, male or female finger bones. And you can't sex postcranial bones. You can sex the skull, the pelvis, and sometimes the ribs, but pretty much nothing else. And they always wanted the small stuff. Like they wanted a finger bone from a man or a woman. We're like, you could always tell it was Botanica because that's, they were very precise about this. They wanted it cheap and they wanted it to be sexed. And we can't. Right. So if we were not able to give them a particular answer about the sex of a of a piece of bone, one of the things that they would ask the employees to do was to uh, run a pendulum over the bone. And if the pendulum went east-west, it was one thing. And if the pendulum went north-south, it was another thing. So you know, like a plumb line, that kind of divination. And they would take that answer seriously over the phone. They were completely satisfied with that. Like that was, that was their due diligence. And, you know, we would pack it up and send it off to them. Also, I will point out as an armchair uh, archaeologist and anthropologist, it is actually very difficult to sex skulls. And we know that because a lot of finds uh, are getting recategorized um, because they were sexed incorrectly based on their grave mm. goods and some often based on even pelvises and skulls. There's one very famous site in Dolni Vestanici where three people were buried together who have been fought over so much in the intervening decades between our discovery of them and the current day. We still don't know what sex and or gender these people were. Um, and they are so weird that their karyotype might have been like XXY or something like that, um, which is actually not uncommon. We find uh, amb ambiguous people in ritual graves a lot because there is a history of intersex and trans people being considered sacred um, and shamanic in a lot of different human cultures. End footnote. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> also, I've been corrected. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's in uh, past things like just trying to sex a skull that is a certain number of years old can be very difficult because... I mean, everyone looked very, very different back then. It's true. With, I mean, it's sometimes you can look era, at a skull and you're like, yeah. yeah, that's probably pretty male or pretty female. Like, you've got a pretty strong idea. Right. I was actually looking at Eli's skull the other day, my my partner, because he his dentist, dentists are crazy now. Have you been to the dentist recently? My they, mother's husband is a dentist. Okay, well, they gave him a full fucking, I don't even, was it a CT scan? I don't know, but they scanned his skin they scanned his tissue and then they scanned his actual bones so he just has like a cross section of his That's skull cool. all Fantastic. the way around the jaw and they they gave him the 3d model i'm like ask for it on a disc get it on a disc and so he did he got his his skull section on a 3D disc printing a skull and he's gonna 3d print it because he has a, awesome. he has a 3d printer i'm very excited but i was looking Ooh. at his skull and you know i mean jake knows what eli looks like he's Lyric, he's my typical boyfriend type. He's beautiful. He looks he's like, pretty, you know, an elf prince. He's like elfy, kind of thin. Mm -hmm. and, You're nailing it. You're uh, nailing it. Smart, snarky, and a little quiet. Yes. Well, and, he's not and, quiet. And, would, and if I met him, would be a little bit mean, but in like a fun way to me that I would enjoy. What do you think, Jake? Did she nail I, it? I, I, yes. That's like, yeah, Hammer has been hit 
Yeah. Yeah, I think there was only one that like didn't fit the mold and we won't discuss them. <laughs> Eli's great. Um, so yeah, I was looking at his skull and though e- even though Eli is like very delicate looking, uh, you, I mean, you could put him in drag and it would, he would pass, no problem. Um, but even though his skull, and especially he's got a very small jaw, you could see the uh, the flare of the masseter muscle or the masseter bone. It was it was yeah. flared out in that very oh the mandible um, like right yeah oh, yeah you do date a lot of people who have like really pointy mandibles <laughs> yeah but you know his he's got a very small delicate chin just little little elf elf man um, but the the 3D the 3D model doesn't lie he's got that male male skull. What is going on? Yeah, is someone Ruben's a- being sloppy. Ruben, is someone playing a game. Ruben's being sloppy. Ruben looks very unpleased. Can Ruben's he even hear us? Ruben's watching the trailer for the Nickelodeon cartoon fighting game. He's falling is it, asleep. Is it? I muted him. I muted you, Ruben. Oh, Ruben's in so much trouble. It's Get okay. dunked on. I mean, it's fine. One time, Ruben sharpened a knife the entire podcast, like well, directly was into that the pencil mic pencil for a while, and I'm like, yep. stop clicking the pencil. Mm-hmm. Just mute yourself if you're going to do it, man. It's fine if you do it. Just stay muted and then pop it off when you need to talk. Look at him. He doesn't give a Look, shit. Look, he's dead. He's, he's, gonna, he's oh, yeah. pretending he's asleep. Well, he's pretending all, he's asleep. We've all had to do enough Zoom that we know that, like, you know, when I'm in the past and there's been, like, a thing where everyone wants to be on Zoom and I'm like, sure, but I'm going to work the whole time. Yeah. I'm keep myself muted so I can be, like, with the sewing machine constantly. I always oh, yeah. have stuff. I, this, I've got my nail stuff here. I've got shit to fiddle with Uh, yeah it's i mean you can see there's like a million things around me like this tarot project i've been working on forever Mm -hmm. because someone asked me a question three years ago that said what is important to you that is intangible and then i stayed up all night writing down all of these intangible things that were very important and then i'm like i need to make a project out of this called the intangible tarot you would be very surprised how difficult it is to figure out how to make it like art re- representations of things that are intangible. Like how I, do why, you represent this? Why would I be surprised at that? That's like the least surprising thing ever. Uh, two days ago, my brother asked me, he's like, Hey, did you ever think about doing a tarot? I'm like, it's, <laughs> the intangible tarot is taking up a lot of my time. I'm like stuck on one card right now. It's like, it's it's like going up to an artist and asking them, "Hey, have you ever thought about doing seventy-two separate cool illustrations, full well, color, I'm not for doing... an already saturated market? Have you ever thought about that?" Like I'm and not, he's... yeah, but I'm not doing like the hero fans and that. Like I've created my own arcana and all of this shit. Like it's just it's really it's a whole thing. Oh no, yeah, my that's, god! That's... Like one of the cards is. Like, there's a whole section where it's the optical, where the things that you see out of the corners of your eye that look like moving shadows, but then you look and nothing is there. Yeah, apparently normal people don't get that. I just found that out recently. Normal people don't have peripheral hallucinations. Or the the type of people who don't get the thing where if you clench your jaw in a certain way, it sounds like there's a storm in your ears. No. Yep. The thunder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Get that ocean sound. The rumbling. The rumbling, the thunder, the thing. But anyway, that's it's the project we've been working on for a while. I'm stuck. Yeah, I I don't think Lyric mentioned at all, but she's an incredibly accomplished illustrator. Um, Well, dang. She's very, very good. 
draftsmanship. No, that's a nice thing to say. And I it's mean, just. I'm having, I think Eliza will understand. I'm having some arm trouble right now. Like, I'm having trouble, like, pointing with this finger, with my index finger on my right hand. Like, You've been picking your nose too much. I have. But also playing with my phone too much during sad things. And so I'm trying to get, like, my hand back. Like, last night, I think I, I tried to draw a cassowary, and I don't think it went very well. It looks great. Well, yeah, but it doesn't look how I wanted it to look. Who cares? Ah. But some stuff is going well. Like, here's this cheetah. Ooh la la. Ooh. Oh, it's a king cheetah. Yes. And I actually know a king cheetah. He's a cutie. Another oh. reason to live in the Bay Area, there is a yeah. lot of animal... Talk about people who have independent jobs. Yes. I know a lot of people who do independent animal education, like Rob and Barb, who do wildcat conservation and education in Occidental, California. Um, They do very small tours. It's about 85 to 90 bucks. And it's like a full afternoon and you get to be right up close and meet both of their cheetahs, their mountain lions, their snow leopards, their African leopards. They have a bunch of smaller and medium cats, which you would never get to see in zoos, like Joffrey's cats, Caracal, um, Asian fishing cat, which are super cool because they go underwater and they flatten their ears. And yes. Great. And they I mean, I have all these videos water. of me like feeding raw chicken to their cheetah and their snow leopard. And they're great people, like small business, people who are making it work on their terms. Like those two are fantastic humans. How did they get a king cheetah? Explain what a king cheetah is, because I think uh, most people don't know. A king, so everyone knows what a cheetah looks like. A king cheetah will be a cheetah that has the spots, but also long stripes down its body. Like it has oh. a completely different print and is very unusual. And so people like Robin Barb and other people who do very independent animal experiences have relationships with zoos and other animal parks. So when cats have litters, the animal parks are not going to keep all the kittens. They get dispersed to a lot of different places. Uh, Zoos within the zoo community in the United States only trade with each other. Nothing is wild caught anymore. And the smaller parks uh, do the same. They trade within each other. My friend Bonnie, uh, two of her servals are from uh, kitten lots from from, uh, Safari West which is a safari bed and breakfast in Calistoga. Which is, I I will say from an environmental standpoint, as long as they are preventing hybridization, this is a much, much, much better technique of uh, preserving these species than taking them from the wild. Because the cats are less stressed if they are bred in captivity. And again, the hybridization is a problem, especially with tigers, because they will mix like a Siberian tiger with a Sumatran tiger or whatever. Um, And then those are no longer useful for conservation. But if you're going to have tigers in captivity or big cats or any large animal, then raising them in captivity and breeding them in captivity is a better way of going about it than wild caught capturing. Especially with uh, animals like cheetahs, which during the last ice age were in a genetic bottleneck and now do not have as much diversity as they should. So with breeding programs that exist, it's pretty much their only chance. If they were left to their own devices, I'd give it. 400, 500 years, we probably wouldn't see any more just because the genetic pool in the wild is so small. That makes sense. And they're yeah. overly specialized animals. They're very strange. Like, you know, at Robin Barb's, like, because they run their cheetahs three times a week because you have to or else they get heart problems. And I've seen them. Like, they are weird 
animals. Like I've taken the slow-mo video and watched like the back feet go in front of the front feet when they're running at 70 miles per hour in the driveway. And you're like, this is nuts. You're a weird animal and I don't know why you exist. Do they run them with a lure? Yeah, kind of. It's like, um, you know, when you have a, like a toy on a string and you're dragging it around the house and your cat's chasing it, it's like that, but on a wire and really, really fast. Like with greyhounds. At the end of the driveway, someone is standing with like a pot that has meat in it to kind of catch the cheetah in a way to get them to stop running and be like, oh, snack. And then you kind of do a thing to get them back to the beginning because you run them multiple times because they have to run. Yeah. Like every zoo that has cheetahs, every wild animal park does running programs. You can't have a stationary cheetah. That makes sense. But yeah, there's loads of places like this. Like if you look around wherever you live, there's probably a smaller wild animal experience that it isn't a zoo within the zoo program. And these people, for the most part, I mean, with the exception of certain people, <laughs> Tiger King. Of right? course. Which yeah. Hard, hard, to not, hard to not bring that up. Yeah. Which apparently I'm one degree away from him because Bonnie has knew him. It's a whole thing. It's anyway, not a big community. <laughs> it's a very small community, but the smaller stuff, like these people are so into education and really care about their animals and really care about educating other people about the plight of animals you wouldn't necessarily know about. Like Rob and Barb do a lot of work to try and get money raised for the medium-sized cats. Tigers and lions and cheetahs, they get a lot of money. But Asian fishing cats, Joffrey's cats, caracals, these are cats that no one raises money for. Right. And they are just in as much danger. Yep. Hmm. It's true. Yeah, the, the the little guys who aren't the aren't the big the big charismatic spotlight animals right. need need even more support. I mean, look how some zoos represent the animals. You go to the San Francisco Zoo and the tiger and the gorilla have very large enclosures. But the taper mm. is in a concrete bunker from the 1970s. Like, it's a little shameful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. San Francisco mm-hmm. is not a good example of a zoo. Oakland Zoo, on the other hand, is phenomenal and fantastic. Everyone should visit nice. them and they are wonderful. The all It's all very, like... Um, it's evenly all the fundings evenly distributed across all other animals. They have a bunch of stuff that other zoos don't have. They have hyenas. They just opened their new California exhibit, which has a bunch of animals that were that used to be native to California and no longer are, like wolves, grizzlies, jag they have a jaguar named Luca and he's very, very cute. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so that just opened. Fantastic Skyride. The Oakland Zoo. Love it. Used to live a block away. Big shout outs. Eliza used to also live very close to the Oakland Zoo back in the day. I don't think I ever got to go. But you lived very close. Did I? You did. You were right down. You were basically like due west from me in East Oakland. Hmm. Hmm. When you had that very long loft where we shot your rifles across it. at, at God, Kansas. that was a good apartment. That's, I mean, I... Every time I get a new apartment, I'm like, this is it. This is I've outdone myself this time. So I can't really say it's my all-time best apartment, but it, it might be. Uh yeah, it was it was pretty incredible. And I'm um, sure he'll edit this out, but you're in Seattle. Why would he edit it out? Because I don't know because you're very secretive and you don't want people to know where you are. No, I'm not. Everyone knows well, where I, I, I live. Why do you have a shitload of secrets? To you're be very firm. secretive. Oh, okay. 
Sorry. You told me you're like your dog was secret once or something like that, and people couldn't know about your dog. And I was like, how? And you're like, just no one can know him. And I was like, okay. I sent you that text message in confidence, Ruben. So that's Uh-oh. one of my secrets that you have fucking just laid bare on the Church fucking podcast. You idiot, Ruben. Which idiot. several people listen to. Um, Wait, that was about a text? Oh, we have to edit this out, Jake. Yeah, no, I... I walked into it. It's, uh... Eliza and I are the only two members of the cast that live in the same city. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ruben's in Arizona, Michelle's in Montana. Oh my goodness. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, We're all over. Michelle used to live to in Seattle. Even wild horses. It's true. A horse could have busted into her apartment. My, mother's, in my mother's horse came from Montana. I mean, you know, there's just horses everywhere. It's true. That is horse country. Um... No, I am not secretive about where I live uh, because I have a large dog and many rifles now as well. So, you know, Molon Labe, motherfuckers. Oh, <laughs> Eliza said, pull up. I just remembered I could have talked about another one of my weird, tiny, independent jobs, which is I'm Herper on call. Like, festivals hire me to be the person, and I got my own radio with my own channel, which is funny for a festival because usually everybody's on like the same channel i have my own channel they hire me because when people who are on drugs find a rattlesnake in their tent they call me on the radio and i come and i make the rattlesnake well i make it go away a maximum of 125 feet because that's what i'm legally allowed to do right but i'm the one who makes it go away and i'm usually super drunk on tequila and in a bikini while i do this i talked about this on the weakest link i'm like yeah, that's you know, crazy. Like, and then the Jane lady was like, well, what about Burning Man? And I'm like, well, Burning Man's a caustic alkali lake bed, so there are no snakes. Like, right. Yeah. But no, that's what I do as a job. Like, I do a bunch of snake stuff. And now I've become kind of like Doolittle for a couple Imagine of Imagine thinking snakes are like, in a there's caustic a bat. alkali Eric, there's a, there's a, a, a I, never, I never thought about like a music festival logistics having to have that type of a person, but that makes so much sense that's so that's such a odd job to fill right well, especially, it's a snake wrangler well especially if you want you want people to be safe and you want animals to be safe and also to have someone on staff who can educate people about rattlesnakes because like i was talking about earlier my friend bonnie who does animal stuff she's she was my mentor for rattlesnake training like she did a rattlesnake class at the bone room where she brought in t- uh, about 12 different kinds of rattlesnakes, like everything you could imagine. Uh, there was an albino one. She had Mojave green, um, Western rattlesnake, Pacific, Southwestern, like all of them and had all the examples. And then she had like a bucket filled with like the medium sized babies and just like dumped them into this like little thing. And they're just all like, and everyone, this is inside a room. And they're just in like a little, like a plexiglass, like large plate with like it's like four inches high and they're just there and she's like and this is how you move them and look at me i'm standing this far away and they can't hurt me so yeah she's the one who taught me how to deal with the rattle babies and keep them safe and encourage other people to not hurt them yeah rattlesnakes are great people don't really know how much personality they have oh they are so they're so hilarious like somebody brought a baby into my local reptile place the other day like we found this baby snake and the guy's like that is a baby rattlesnake why have you brought it here because now that you've brought it to us we legally cannot return it to the wild it's another trap like because they're so they're angry and pissed off like the babies are not fun 
They have like the angry eyebrows. Oh my God, that's like I yeah. You guys are braver than I am for being able to handle that kind of stuff. They can only strike, I, res- I respect snakes. They can strike half the distance they are along. So you got to think mm. of a snake. It has a radius of a foot and a half. You're okay. two feet away. You are fine. Okay. And they're not going to come towards you. They don't like you. They don't want to be with you. They don't want to be your friend. These are good to know. These are good things to know. Snakes are pretty easy. I mean, you're you're never going to not outwit a snake. <laughs> I mean, there's I, those Asian flying snakes, which can, like, leap from tree to tree, and that seems like it would potentially be a problem. Yeah. They're also I, venomous, so. Sure. Oh. I guess one of those could hit you in the face, and that, that would go badly, but. <laughs> oh, my God. I would pay so much to see that gif. Oh, like, my God. flying from a tree and hitting Eliza in the face, and she'd be like, no! I feel like I would handle it better than many people, probably. Probably. Um, I, I, someone brought a snake for show and tell when I was in kindergarten. It wasn't me. It was someone else. And someone knocked the snake carrier over and the snake got out and all the kids started screaming and running and like jumping up on chairs and stuff. And I just picked up the snake. <laughs> and it's one of these like formative Eliza moments. And I mean, I just put the snake back in his his carrier because my dad had already taught me by that point, like how to catch a snake and also that our local garter snakes and I think we've got a couple other species in Washington. It's not a particularly reptile-rich region, the Pacific Northwest, but we've got a couple. Um, you know, garter snakes are stinky, but they're not venomous. So you can you can handle them pretty much with impunity. And yeah, I just picked it up, put it back in the carrier. That probably cemented my reputation from that point on, now that I think about it. Yeah, snakes are easy. <laughs> like most, I mean, most non-venomous snakes, I mean, a lot of them can be bastards. And I mean, we were talking about the East Bay Vivarium. I mean, I've been in there so many times and handled so many different snakes. And I have so many different little pockmark scars all over my hands from being bitten. Like, they love biting you, but they let go right away. And it's fine. And then you, you end up with wounds that you can't see that are leaking very, very quickly. Because the teeth are so fine and sharp. And you just start leaking. Like there was this one Nicaraguan boa that bit me five times simult- like in a row. It just went bam, 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 bam. And then my hand was just like, it was just leaking. I couldn't see the wounds because they have over a hundred needle hook teeth. They're very, very amusing and cute. But garters, they're garters yeah. all right. Like, yeah, they're stinky and they will bite you, but it's not that bad. Feels no. like a pinch. And they, most of the time, they won't even try biting you because they're so little. They know that fighting back is, like, pointless. And they're fast and wiggly. Like, they mm-hmm. just want to get away. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big snake fan. I've also been bitten. Um, not nearly as much as Lyric has, but <clears throat> it oh. is very funny when constrictors and pythons bite you. It's like, what are you trying to do here? You don't have venom. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> I mean, under a certain size, they recognize their mistake. They're like, fuck, you're not food. And they let go right away. Over a certain size, they don't let go. Right. Like, for instance, the snake we had is a store pet at the bone room, Rubber Ducky. Rubber Ducky was a 33, I think he was like 30 years old. He was 30 years old. He was an albino Burmese python. One of he the looked first exactly the like the one that Britney Spears had during yeah. that uh, the music awards performance. I would not be surprised if the one that she had was one of his descendants because he was heavily bred. Because he was one of the first. Yeah. So he at one point did, when our boss, Ron Cobble, was not paying attention, Rubber Ducky did bite onto him. And when pythons of that size bite, they don't let go. Because they have all those teeth 
And those teeth are like a centimeter long. There's like a hundred of them and they get stuck. So, or they just don't let go because they're well, like, also, I can probably eat you. They can eat you. Yeah. I mean, they, they can eat an adult human. So you have to submerge their head in a bucket of water and wait until they let go. That's all you can do. And it's Good fun. Lord. But most, like many times we had to change that snake's water bowl and it's a two person job because you open the thing because he was blind in one eye. He had arthritis, but he would bite you. So one of us would have to wait, grab him behind the head and hold it while the other person changed the water. And then when he'd shed, it, it was a three person job of us like oiling him up and rubbing him down to get all of his shed skin off. Remember rubber ducky? in the big trash can of water in the back of the store all day. And then we'd all have to wrestle with him to get his shed skin off. It was good yep. times, you know, good memories. What a big, what a big sweetheart day. of a snake. They are just big chill boys. I mean, they can yeah. kill you and they do kill people sometimes, of but course. they are just big chill boys. It is. It's rare, but it does happen. It does like, happen right. sometimes. Mostly when people are doing something stupid, mostly right. boys, it's usually right. boys. Yeah. Like you don't, hold your reticulated python if you're alone like it's right. a, you just don't if a snake don't is don't do that. a certain size you just don't they well, kill people in up the on, wild um... occasionally but not that often i bet it's going to start happening in florida more though oh well that's a whole different situation where the burmese have have like escaped and bred yep and now they have bounty um oh are they like python hunters they're they very invasive every year very invasive wow. in the Everglades, yeah. Whoa. They're eating Snake all the birds. So there's a prize every year for the most Burmese pythons caught and the biggest one caught. Holy moly. Because they yeah. live for like 35 years and they get to be like 20 feet long. And That's just another reality TV show waiting to happen, Snake Hunters. And when they have, ba- they have a lot of babies at once. So they, can, they just, it, the population exploded by a couple of escaped ones and also the hurricanes. Uh, pet stores were damaged snakes escaped people let their snakes go which you should never do and it's just gotten out of control can you eat them are they tasty like rattlesnake uh you know i don't know but i imagine so because they're so big it seems like a lot of meat you know like if you're gonna get a 20 pound or 20 foot python out of the everglades that's been eating alligator for years might as well eat it i mean i I imagine a lot of the really big rock python skins that come out of africa like I have to imagine the meat is eaten because it's got to be a hunted animal. You Unless there's it. something wrong with it, but yeah, I, I don't know. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen anybody eating them in Florida. But um, are you I in would. Florida often? Actually, I used to. Yeah, my grand one set of grandparents used to live there. So what? I've been, I've been to Florida quite a bit. <gasps> quite a bit. I'm so jealous as a native Californian. To me, Florida seems very exotic and fancy. You would love Florida. It is like Jurassic Park down there. <gasps> honest, it is a little bit honest like to that. God, it is so fucking weird. You're it is it does not feel like you are in America in a lot of those places. Like if you go down to Archer um near Gainesville, but like in the boonies around Gainesville and get into the swamp and the jungles. I mean golden orb weaver spiders i mean the webs are this big and they really are golden they're like yellow oh. silk and then the spider itself is this fucking big and i mean you run into them with your face all the time because you're walking through the the jungle it's it's awesome i love florida a lot of people think it sucks i think it's great that sounds amazing it doesn't suck it's just weird it's very weird also i really yeah. like humidity so that sounds really fun for me the humidity is tough but it's, well, it's very real there are we ways don't to deal with have it. humidity really in southern california it's just dry no. 
We had humidity today because it rained, which was super fucking weird because it's been constantly 99 degrees. But uh, no, it's humidity. When I go to other places and it's humid, I'm like, this is amazing. You can wear little dresses and you're swimming in the air. It's nice. Yeah. Like up to a certain, after a certain point, like up into the wet bulb conditions where you just spontaneously die. That sucks. But uh, yeah, the the warm and humid and like it's, you know, you, you go out and you sort of, it's balmy, you know, it's very nice. It's nice on your skin. It's like a jungle. Yeah, it's great. I, I really like Florida. Um, I love the Everglades. I haven't been to Key West yet, but I'd love to go. But yeah, I'd go down there and hunt snakes and eat them. Sure. <gasps> we could have a show. We and would fucking we make our millions. It'd YouTube. be amazing. It would be unbelievable how much money we would make on YouTube eating pythons out of the Everglades. And it's Florida too. Like it's probably not heavily licensed, you know. Oh, well, you can get well, away with well, it. You can get away with a lot in Florida. Well, there's like whole whole shows about people hunting alligators for money, and I'm not really sure. I saw a thing once in a restaurant where apparently people were hunting alligators, and that was the entire show. That's what I'm saying about steak hunting. Yeah, it could, it's hunting. the same same category. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't want to hunt them though. Like, I'd much rather have a show which was like me and Eliza visiting a bunch of like independent animal education stations. We just talked about animals while wearing that would be fa- great. While, I mean, while wearing fabulous outfits, that would be great. Uh, yeah, well, no, that's like you, those you guys are have been chopping between, it up for a while. In between segments, natural, natural I think there needs chemistry. to be snake hunting, and then there's like a cool down period. It would be like. Um, the Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie show. Yes. Except <laughs> Except way the fuck cooler. Like from the mirror universe <laughs> where we're both evil. <laughs> um yeah, this was the snake hunting part and then, you know, visit to the visit to the the, the weirdo antiquities stores and Florida's great. I, I really like it. Um they have bog mummies in Florida too, actually. It's the only only place other than um than Europe where there are bog mummies. Like but they have the opposite into kind. The bog. Yeah, they've got they have, um, they have basic bog mummies here where the bones were preserved, but not the flesh. So I don't really know what makes the mummies. I think some of the flesh is preserved, and then all the peat oh, bog no. mummies are acidic. So all of the bones are away, up? but we still have the we have the leather. Basically, we have people jerky. So yeah, we have the opposite type here, and there's a very weird and cool. Um, I can't remember the name of the, the pond now, but it's a, it's an anaerobic, it's a pond with an anaerobic basin that was used as a burial site for many, many, many years. And some amazing stuff has, has come out of there. Like they found a skull that just had a whole brain preserved inside of it. Um, so yeah, Florida rules. I don't, I don't, I don't like it when people talk shit about Florida. It's a great place. I think that Florida man is one of my favorite things on the internet where it's just like, when something crazy happens, you're like, yeah, that sounds about right. And I'm interested. I want to hear more about the Florida man who did this crazy thing. Yeah. Well, Florida you know, man's funny. You and I can be Florida man. Oh my if, God. We could just run around believe. finding Florida man. If we believe. We can, this would be a show. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, when you were, when you were clearly talking, have enough for spinoff material. Here. Oh no. When you were talking right now about the preservation, it reminded me of when we would be cleaning human skulls and like pulling roots out of people's noses and stuff. I have bags and bags of like mummified human brain matter I found while like scraping inside somebody's like just trying to get all the bits out and I saved it all in bags. Like I can there's a bag there and over there somewhere. Like so, all the things. I mean, I can't fault you for that. I probably would have done the same thing. But um why? 
I just, it seemed like a good idea at the time. There's a bag right. around here somewhere with like, at the time it was wet matter. And I'm like, how did this get here? So I put it within like four layers of Ziploc. And so I still have like the wet human brain matter somewhere in the room because why wouldn't you keep it? I mean, it seems like a waste to throw it away if you're a collector. A collector of wet human brain matter. There's a lot of stuff in this room. Like when people yeah. come in here and I give them a mini tour, like it gets insane because I have like bezoars and there's like this warthog skull covered in shit. There's a giraffe over there. There's a hyena over here. There's a bear up there. There's a bunch of tiny stuff. 17-year cicadas, human bones, my wisdom teeth, many, many things. I still have my wisdom teeth. They're I have, head. like, all of my little things in my, like, special case. There's, like, my wisdom teeth, my IUD, some other <laughs> stuff. If they let you keep for a it. certain amount of time it's a specimen sometimes they don't let you keep stuff and it's always like what the fuck <laughs> it's mine oh it's yeah literally mine if you make a stink about it then they'll let you keep it unless it's like a baby right they're a little weird about that <laughs> well they want those stem cells yeah not if it's that small wait is this one of those things that we just shouldn't be talking about on the podcast it's legal. Oh, okay. No, like not, not wearing shoes. Small, then I don't think they're harvesting anything. It's just going in uh, bio waste. Oh, I think you get stem cells from any size of fetus, I'm pretty sure. Well, I don't know what they did with my situation. Also, I think it's taboo that people don't talk about it. You should talk. I did this situation and they wouldn't let me keep it. I kind of was like, I would I would like it in a jar. That sounds interesting to you me. You grew it yourself. No. You be It belongs to you. It's you should be my... able to keep yeah, it's it's my bio makeup. I yeah. should be allowed to keep it, especially as a Jewish person. On the way out, did you say, what am I paying you for? That's right. Actually, on the way out, I said, <laughs> why are you just giving me this Dixie cup full of apple juice and one graham cracker? I want a sec, like this cup is so small. And then they give you the form at the end to be like, how was your experience? And it just wrote like, not enough juice, tiny cracker, not enough <laughs> juice, tiny cracker. I mean- that's a whole story because also it was in Oakland and it was it was phenomenal. There's many levels where you like have a locker room and there's like, you know, but then they lead you into this quiet room where it's like very chill with low lighting. And See, this is what... DIY. This is why I wanted Lyric yeah. on the show. And oh, yeah. Yeah. And then so you're in the like soft room and you have your robe <laughs> and there's pillows and then you watch a Tyler Perry movie. And I watched Medea's wedding and then it's oh your God. turn to go in the operating room and then you have the situation and then they don't give you enough juice. And that's what happened. <laughs> like I also, you know, as because it's a podcast, it was a hard situation and yes, it's not for everyone, but uh, you know, it, uh, it wound up fine for me. It was, it was the right choice. Yeah, right on. But yeah, Tyler Perry movie. It was all very, it was like a cartoon, like, it would all, it, you couldn't write that ridiculous situation. It was very Oakland and very fabulous. I think that's what we've learned about Oakland today is that it seems like a very uh, unique and fabulous place. Oakland does rock and I miss it. Um, I, I, I can, I can co-sign. The, I miss the being Oakland in rocks. Oakland with Eliza. It's a very, it's a good place. It really is. Um, Other mountains I, in Oakland. I was given the the Hella card there. I'm allowed to say Hella because I lived in Oakland, and the the locals told me that I'm allowed to say Hella outside of Oakland. Oh so. yeah, I I I am 
I'm a thief. I moved over here and just started using that. I'm not from Oakland at all. <laughs> yeah, you might get called out. You might get called out. I know, out. right? So you're from Georgia and you live in Seattle, but you're using Oakland slang. I grew up I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. I moved to Seattle. Um, and at a certain point in my life, hello was something people were using on the internet quite a bit. Um, and that's where I got it from, was just being an, an internet dipshit and being like, yeah, that's hella tight, dog. <laughs> or something like that. I'm going to make um, hella Skrilla. Ooh, yeah. Means I'm going to make hella money. Yeah, so like, I don't know. Um, but then when I moved out here, people were like, that's a California thing. And I was like, oh. It was like kind of the first time I had found something on the internet in language that people were like, that's not from the internet, you idiot. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you're a fan of the band Gravy Train, it's fine. You can say hella all you want because that is an Oakland band. Hell yeah. They're Gravy amazing. Train's hilarious. They're great. And uh, I feel like they should make a comeback because I miss them. Shout out to the camp, the super weird camp counselor that introduced a very young me to Gravy Train, the band. <laughs> <laughs> Did he play you, um, You Made Me Gay Girl? Because that song is amazing. It's, I, I, like, probably, yes. <laughs> I remember he would just tell us the song titles they had, and as a, te- like, a 13 or 14 year old, I'd be like, what? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I saw him live at the bottom of a hill in San Francisco, which was another very famous punk venue. Right, I've heard of Bottom of the Hill. Yeah, I saw the skulls there a million years ago. That's ridiculous. Like, punk venues are kind of the best, because they're in places you would never expect. Like, there's this one in Malibu, which is like a restaurant during the day and a punk venue at night. And I saw the attics there a million years ago, and it's like people are moshing. During the day, this is like a diner. Yeah, DIY punk spaces are very dear and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. They're special spots. Like, that's like, uh, yeah, that's modern day sacred ground. Um. To a lot of people in the music scene, especially. I thought that your friend, what was it? Is it Christina? The other one who's missing. I thought you would Michelle. Have... Oh, Michelle. Michelle, sorry. No, you all good. showed up by now. I mean, you'd think she would have been like, isn't we... there a show going on? Uh, we got, I got something from her four minutes ago. Um, just... She had a family emergency. We just oh, heard from no. her. Yeah. I, I didn't cut in. I didn't cut in. But yeah, she, she had to deal with... Um, yeah, we're just so, glad, we're just glad she's okay. Well, yeah, it's, pretty it's, much. I certainly hope everything's fine. Yeah, I think it is. It was just some. It's just circumstances, and and now that she's gotten in touch with us, we're all good. We figured mm-hmm. it out. But uh, yeah, you know that's the moth pod stuff. It happens to everybody. The moth pod. Oh, off pod. You know that's just moth pod stuff. Everyone knows this. You no, know, you're just story slamming, and you're like story slam moth pod. You know. <laughs> Um, we are coming up on about three hours though, so I just wanted to check in with you. Like we're having great convos. Oh, no. This is chill. I'm fine. Um, There's like I still have all of this log of Lynn and it's fine. Like I just didn't know if I was keeping you guys here because I am having a very fun time. I mean eventually I'll have to pee, but I'll I'll pee when Eliza's talking about something. Wow. No, yeah, we're we're good. Yeah, I mean Eric's already heard it from me all before. Like well, she doesn't need to to listen to sure, me say sure. stuff. Yeah, also, I just know what you're going to say because I know your temperament. You know, it's one of those things. It's one of, it's a This is conceivably the first episode where I might cut this into two parts. You, yeah, there's I a lot of good discussion here. If there's yeah. enough content that you think mm-hmm. is fun, it's great. I mean, it's good stuff. I love Eliza. Like, so, you know, it's just, it's, it's that thing. Like I, like I said before, 
there doesn't need to be like constant interaction. Like I see you when I see you and when I do, it is magical and means a lot to me. Well, thank you. We're very happy to call you a friend of the show. Mm. And um, yeah, uh, is there anything, uh, I know I already had you do some plugs. Is there anywhere online you want people to find you? Are you a not online type of person? If there's any links you want to throw out, feel free. But if not, I don't know should be more online than she is. Well, I don't know where I should be online. Should I be making TikTok videos where I like wear leather things and like yes. shake my little booty? What what you've been doing this whole time on camera and everything is what you should be doing on the internet. Yeah. I did that you just a made six bit. months of contact for TikTok. You, well, I did it during the beginning of the pandemic. I did a couple small videos in Instagram where I just like talked about my collection. That's good yeah. shit. Honestly, being like, and you could launch a whole cicadas and- YouTube your room could be a YouTube career channel. from nothing. You could just sit there and do exactly what you're doing with upgraded equipment, and that would be it for you. But for our listeners, how do you turn that into money? You do it the way I do it, and you make it into a personality thing where people are like, yeah, I want to buy your stuff. That's, mm. I mean, that's, I, I have very carefully nurtured the situation that I have going now with people who enjoy my work and also don't expect very much of me because they know my limitations. And that, that is really the line to tread is that you want people who understand and appreciate your work and you can appreciate them and they're not fucking crazy, which is what I love about my audience is that they are not crazy assholes who get in my business. And also understand whatever your limitations are. Like for me, I don't produce very much work because I just don't have that much energy and I have a lot of problems um and that's cool they're fine with that they they want to read tweets and stupid tumblr posts and stuff but it does take a while like it takes a while but the thing about you is that you're so well connected that you have access to all of these other people's audiences you have my audience which would be like basically a one-one crossover i mean that venn diagram is basically a circle you've got melly you have all the people who were antiseptic fashion buyers you've got all of the people who know you from wildlife stuff, and you have Burning people, Man, Burning Man festival yeah. stuff. You've got it's all there, and um, all you have to do is basically show up and keep showing up for enough time that it becomes a thing. That's my opinion. You know, yeah. I, I couldn't possibly comment on how long it would take. Probably two years to get like a a, a decent thing going, but I don't know. That's that would be my advice to you and also to anyone like you that is listening to the podcast and wondering, hey, I'm a weird and interesting person. What do I do with it? That was the best advice I ever got about my career ever. I was probably 14, 15 years old, like a high school goth start, you know, just kind of starting to do weird stuff. And my dad sat me down one day. He's like, you should just write an autobiographical novel about your life. Middle aged suburban types who would never in a million years be willing to take the risks that you do or to live in poverty the way that you're going to or to do the artistic stuff that you do they want to read about what you're doing they want to experience your life vicariously he was right he was so right it has been the most reliable source of both like income and security and also you know validation from people who either don't want to you know, take those kind of risks themselves, or they're just not interested in living that kind of lifestyle, but they're interested in supporting somebody who is weird or supporting yeah. somebody who, you know, provides them with 
entertainment in that in that sense. I don't know. I'm making it sound more parasitic than it actually is. I really don't think that you are. I think you're being very clear. Like, I think we've all had those experiences where, for instance, we're talking to our parents' friends. Yes. And they just think that we are the bee's knees. Yes. Because they have never met anyone like us. And we feel very uncomfortable with how complimentary they are being. We're like, why are you saying this? Like, this is very uncomfortable for me. Yeah. And it does feel uncomfortable to to, like, accept that somebody admires or is interested in what you do because to you it's just like I wake up in this weird skull pile every day this isn't interesting to me and there's also that kind of sense of especially when you're autistic that sense of like being perceived or interpreted in a way that makes you uncomfortable um that you want to kind of distance yourself from but you know it's it's exactly the same as being naked in front of a room full of people who are not going to draw you the right way Maybe they don't interpret you the right way, but you're still there and it's your job and you have the power in the room. And both of you, the both the people in the audience and you yourself, naked as you are, are getting something out of it. And I think that that's valuable. I think that to a certain extent that provides a service if you are the kind of person who is doing it sincerely and you're not just being a shitty influencer about it, yeah. you know, which you would do it sincerely. It's, it's what you do with... Um, your your stuff in real life now, you know, presenting wildlife education to people and and being the on call hurt person. It's also the thing yeah. you can't. It's the thing you can't fake. You cannot it's, fake it. No. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the thing that that pushes you above the people that are. Let's say there's someone just as good at, at what you're doing, but they're not. They don't care enough about it. Right. Like, even if they might be a more technically competent person, it's just not going to matter. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, if it's you care Steve more Irwin about it, it's the Steve Irwin thing. Steve Irwin right. fucking oh, loved those I animals. Have- you know? Yeah, I have issues with him. Well, because he would do stuff in the wild, which I thought was radically inappropriate, like yes. grabbing animals in a really uncomfortable way and basically just like pissing them off in a way that was not necessary for Australia. True. Because when you live in a country where everyone is already avoiding the wildlife, you don't need to train the wildlife to stay away from people. Therefore, you don't need to grab shit and be like, look, it's really motherfucking pissed off right now. It's like, that's that's not cool, dude. You're right. I do that stuff in my herping work. Like when I see California king snakes, I will grab them by the tail and drag them towards me. And I'll do it again and again until they they do this thing where they display rattlesnake behavior. They rear up and they shake their tail to make people go away. And I'll do it again and again to be like, people are not your friends. And I want you to do rattlesnake behavior for me and get used to that. Mm-hmm. You should, you're out in the open right now at a festival. This is not something you should be comfortable with. I th- king snakes normally are pretty passive, right? Aren't they one of the more sort Some of Some are, things? but California king snakes display rattlesnake behavior and mimic them, especially. So um, Western rattlesnakes have a black and white banded tail that mm. looks like a king snake tail. Mm-hmm. So if king snakes can kind of pretend to be a rattlesnake, and I like to encourage that behavior. The snakes should just be staying away from people. Yeah. It's become a thing recently where a lot more rattlesnakes are no longer rattling because rattling means people are going to kill you with a shovel. Right. Particularly in Texas, they're still doing those fucking roundups. That is well, that is still a thing. It's also a cultural thing down there. They do a couple like festivals and stuff that kind of revolve around rattlesnakes. I and mean, I, don't agree I get with it, it, but I know but... why they're doing it in a cultural way. I very much don't agree, but I think that they could 
butcher maybe one quarter as many rattlesnakes as they actually do and still maintain the yeah it's like that episode of the simpsons where they're like pounding the snakes with mallets and it's like a whole holiday and whacking all day refuge in the simpsons house mm-hmm. <laughs> oh whacking God, day ask eliza a really quick question <laughs> yeah no worries i mean quite literally we can wrap up um whenever yeah, this is definitely going to be a two parter at this you point. Can I, 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 for I'm sure. two parting it. Mm-hmm. It's exciting for me to two part it. I'll put it that way. <laughs> it gives me more buffer. We have a good, um, we have a good breaking off point actually. I think when my with Mexican legs. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, I mean, you, this is all the. Could... This is all on. Oh, you mean like for for like can, a part? Can you one. cut the part of you saying it's a two parter and put that at the front of the first episode? <laughs> I, I, maybe. I think me- you could do Mexican legs as the cliffhanger. Because yeah, that's when yeah. My, that's when the fucking that's when it broke disconnect anyway. happened anyway. That's and then that is also pretty much our typical episode length in the first place. I think one time when I told the Mexican legs story, someone told me that saying Mexican legs was racist, and I think about I was pretty that... offended, Eliza, but I let it slide, oh, okay. so it's okay. Thanks, man. <laughs> you got the pass. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna punch my card. This is non-transferable. My gringo card. Cart gringo. Carte Blanche. Okay. Hello. Oh, Hello. Yeah. Well, this is what happens when you have three hours where you're yeah, you have no, the Ruin. We're chatting. And you're I mean the cup is so tiny, but still, it's a while. I was wondering, so on this show, have you done an episode where you've talked to people who are doing sex work in a post uh, the world. No, I no, but we are getting this. there. We're I gonna be, this. We basically don't I in my opinion, we want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to fuck it up. But we we want to we want to do that. We're not we going to fuck that it episode. up. We've got yeah. Well, I feel Michelle like it's and I to fuck it up because the the range is so wide. Like yes, it's not right. just about prostitutes. It's about doms. It's about rub and tug. It's totally like, there's so many things in that spectrum. People yep. that I know, like you know, in our friend group, Eliza, yep. like people we both know who are in every level who have been affected. Yeah. It's really, also, it ruined Tumblr for all of us. Yes. Yeah. As far as relevant subjects, that is, I mean, that's like really up on our docket for sure. It's nice of you to ask. Hustling and being a self-made mm-hmm. individual in terms of like making your own work, all of a sudden overnight, your main source of connecting to clients disappears. Yep. Right. And your life becomes infinitely more dangerous. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a big one. I hope we can get to that. I mean, I, I know we can get to that in the future. Um, this is like our this is like our sixteenth record. This will probably be the fourteenth or fifteenth episode to air, though. We have a couple in the in the rearranged, you know, releasing wise. So you know, I, I'm thinking about it in chunks of ten, and I'm hoping that within this next kind of uh, whatever you want to call it. 10 episode block of our of our show our long-winded podcast um we could definitely spend some time getting into that yeah i would love to facilitate that kind of conversation i think it's i mean we just want to get guests who do various work and just have them yeah. talk about like a, a professional dominatrix a financial dominatrix someone who just sells feet picks yeah, someone no, who this... started an only fans you know all that different there's so many different specializations and each of them require like so much different specialized knowledge and i think that's really interesting um but yeah that's we we could that's like a whole we could do a whole series oh my god yeah. yeah you could do like uh, 20 it, could episodes be, it could be the next it could be a whole batch of 10 you know we could have like a whole 
uh, a mini a mini series like Eliza was saying, like mm-hmm. a, a mini subject set for sure. Um, it'd be fun. Yeah, we've talked. You know, we've talked to a, a pretty wide. We've talked to people that are like, you know, like our first guest was this guy Space Twinks. He's a uh, basically a guy, a furry who made um, comics criticism on Twitter into like a more of a more of a paid writing career in some ways, and is very much an online person. And we've had like web comics artists. Um, we've had a couple like video games writers. We just had uh, Lana Polanski who does a Twitch channel, like showing off like super old esoteric weird games. Um, so there's a quite a big, quite a bit of a spread that we have on our on our very general umbrella to to get people on here. You had cool an independent perfumer. Yes, that was, was like shout out Spiritus Zappas. Very trained cool. in what? trained in 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 France. Yeah, episode eleven. Yeah. talking about the notes and the chords. Oh yeah, and- that was oh, a yeah. fascinating episode because none of us know shit about that oh, subject. It's so, so elaborate, like yeah. yeah, you know, there's so much more to perfume than people know. Where there's just so much going in, it's not just like one thing. Because I feel yeah. like a lot of people are like, oh, it's like you're you putting would- this flower in a yeah. thing. It's like no. It's like multiple things happening. Oh, yeah. Layering, and it's, it's very intense. She Not makes... just to toot our own horn, but you yeah. would probably dig the episode lyric. You, would, uh, yeah. Yeah, you should check it out. She's, Fantastic. um, yeah, she's a great, I really liked her perfume. That's why I initially wanted to get her on the podcast. And then it was like, well, none of us know anything about this subject. So it's, it's going to be like totally blank slate, just asking dumbass baseline questions of this expert you know very trained expert and uh it was i really liked how it turned out she's i'm glad we made that that contact so yeah we're we're happy to talk to anyone that's doing something that we that is you know pretty much cool and that you're not getting paid by a larger company to do i mean it's funny the thing you said before i'm like oh my sister does like pay for uh thing internet comics which are like very furry based it's like she makes that's where the money is yeah she keeps saying that she's like you should do this i'm like i i don't i don't want to it sounds like a lot of something also i don't have like the patience to work with a wacom tablet like Mm. i like pen on paper and i know it's terrible but i i can't help myself it doesn't have to be digital furry i mean the thing about furries is that wherever you whatever you do as an artist they want you to draw their fursona and they want their fursona drawn in every conceivable style in every conceivable medium analog they i mean they they go nuts for analog drawings because almost everybody's working digitally yeah so they would definitely pay extra for for uh someone who actually knows animal anatomy and can do realism is like the furry crown jewel i mean they really they really love the disney stuff they i mean that's like near and dear to their heart but the hyper realistic people who really know how animal anatomy works are in extremely high demand like wish lists booked out for years very very high commission prices take a look on fur affinity sometime and look for the the realism guys because they are they are some of them are top of the line like I remember back in the day, you did a there was a dragon drawing something for a, a client or something you did, and it was very popular. Me? Yeah, there was a dragon, and it was like a man dragon. I vaguely remember. I've done a couple of furry pieces. Yeah, it was yeah, it was like a dragon man with fancy penis 
alternate alternative penises. That does sound like something I Dragon would do. men always have those alternative it penises. It was very it was is quite titillating. Mm. It does sound like me. <laughs> well I mean when you said something well, about concussions, I'm like, what? Yeah. Like this is what happens when I don't talk to you for a year. I'm like, you have a concussion. Oh, I've had a lot of head trauma before you met me. How do you think I got this way? Um, well, I thought it was because we're the type of people who people were horrible to us in our childhood and we just don't know how to connect to normal people and we try our best, but then it fails and they get mad at us and we just don't understand why they're mad at us and we're trying our best. We mm. really, really are. This checks out. This checks out. It's true. These and are, then everyone the behind facts. our backs is like, they're, they're such a bitch. Eliza's such a bitch. And we're like, I'm like, no, Eliza is not a bitch and neither am I. We're just autistic and we're really trying our hardest i don't care anymore you know who the, who those people come crying to when they need a heavy they need somebody to put the hammer down they come to me because oh. they know that i'm the person who will start a fight in a bar because yeah. i don't care yeah. what other people think of me so you know this is the thing eliza used to carry a collapsible baton she will fight for you oh i believe this she yeah they're they're surly and do not take anything lying down yeah I, I have I have gone past that point. It's I've been to too many riots at this point to be like actually Lyric recognized me at a at a Occupy was it Occupy March? No, it was when we were doing the thing against the Bart police because oh, they yeah. shot God the homeless, fucking like they shot a, well it was after like the initial thing at Fruitvale Station, but then to right. like cap it off, they also shot a homeless man who was holding a bottle. It's fucking Bart cops, of course. And so there are a bunch of Bart protests, and Eliza was doing a very fantastic. Um, I mean, I don't know if we talked about this. It's it was a very particular service that I thought was spectacular. <laughs> we have not talked about this on the podcast yet. I, I have I have alluded to it, but uh, it would certainly be an episode of DIY in of itself. Yeah, that was a very DIY fabulous thing. It's just I knew you, and also I knew your body. You were. Eliza was completely covered, but I knew her shoes, her body type, and I know Eliza. So mm. I was like, I know Eliza. I'm going to go smack her on the fanny. So <laughs> I did. And she was like, who the fuck is that? She's like, oh, it's Lyric. That's good. <laughs> who the fuck is smacking my ass? Okay. Yeah. It's I my mean, Siamese twin. If you can recognize me, probably the FBI can too. So, oh, well. Yeah. They have a, what's it called? A butt database they know everybody's butt it's like that scene in letter kenny where they're taking pictures of your teeth through people's nipples yep <laughs> the dossier <laughs> oh well that's a good note to end it on probably yeah um, no we're, we're we're good to wrap up lyric thank you so much excellent. for being with us for for pretty much just three straight hours this has been awesome i'm gonna i we discussed this when you're gone i am gonna probably chop this into two um, we'll have a part one part two easy peasy and we say goodbye um, or something we can absolutely say i mean goodbye. i've never done a podcast i don't know what we do you can say goodbye to whoever you really? want at this moment in time oh no farewell podcast listeners i'm sorry that you missed michelle you because she would have loved yeah. you yeah and to be honest you we'd be happy to have you back if you ever want to talk it is the you, thing there's with, clearly a lot to talk yeah about. Oh, there is no, there yeah, is so much with, we did not even talk about burning man we have right, not even talked right. about burning man i mean what so, we, i mean that's a whole different kettle see, i could i but can that's foresee DIY, baby lyric i could foresee you being a a, a correspondent for us in a couple oh. different subjects well, if you don't I mean, if you would because of that mind I, don't coming much, back. I don't know how much eliza knows but i do manage a section of a department at Burning Man. So like I've been involved with them since 2007. It's very cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah. well, that's a nice and, teaser. Uh, um, I think. 
And uh, yeah, thanks you guys for for listening. If you've been around for both parts of this, um, Michelle is good. We figured it out. Uh, I might have cut that out of the episode earlier if when we were talking. So if you're listening and we've been bagging on Michelle for not being here and you're like, oh my God, I, I need to know. She's all good. We, yeah. we figured it out. We found her. Um, she's fine. It was an emergency. Emergencies happen. We're all good. But she's okay. Yeah. And yeah. she will return in our, in our, in two weeks from whenever you're listening to this, which is whenever, because it's a podcast. Yeah.